Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And he swings. Hits it high. And deep. And gone. Still going back. Here it is, the final third of our top 100 prospect list, Jack. We've been flying through this thing. And, man, we have now maybe some of the more exciting recent drafted names. And then as we keep going, it's going to turn into the best prospects in baseball. It's the call-up. I'm Arm Layton. Jack McMullen over here. Jack, we are about to get into some big-time names, as well as some guys that just debuted. So I think it's a really fun group here as we go from 30 to 21 in our top 100 prospect list. Do you want to say it or do you want me to say it? You can um, say it. it this is the best group of 10 we've gone through so far. <laughs> and then we're going to say it again <laughs> next time. Yep. And, and then the time it. after that, it's like, okay, yeah, this is the final one. This is the top 10. Uh, so, but we're at 30 to 21, um, a wide range. And that's, what's really fun about each group of 10. Uh, this group has several players who have debuted uh, a guy that might be the AL rookie of the year favorite uh, or one of, and then a guy and then a couple guys that literally like just debuted in the minors. So it, it's all over the map. That's what makes these top 100 lists fun. Uh, we're going to get into Lawler versus Meyer, all of that good stuff. We talked about it a lot on the just baseball show and we'll get more into uh you know, the individual debuts of Alec Thomas and George Kirby. As we get to them, Thomas, we'll talk about today. Kirby is in the next 10, which I'm excited because we will probably spend a little bit more time on him than everybody else. Uh, But it was really fun to watch George Kirby debut, man. And again, we'll get into who he is as a pitcher on the next episode as we count down. But that was about as good as advertised in his first outing for the Mariners. No, so he and Alec Thomas, I mean, you and I have, have had that dialogue um, and you and I see eye to eye on a lot of these guys, which I think is why you keep inviting me back to go over these 10. Um, but you and I see eye to eye on a lot of these guys. And if you had to pick two of these guys that, you know, are outside the, the J-Rods of the world and outside the Torkelsons of the world to be this high floor, really solid pro for 15 years. Those are two of the guys that you just mentioned, George Kirby, Alec Thomas. We're going to go over Alec Thomas today. We're going to go over Kirby tomorrow. Um, And and those are two guys that we have seen eye to eye on for the last couple of years where how high can we put them to the point where it's criminal, but it's not overly criminal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Alec Thomas. It was funny. I, I definitely, you know, when you and I were talking about him and I was like, yeah, Jackson too, like how high can we put this guy up there? And uh, I, it's the ceiling thing, right? The floor versus ceiling. And we'll get to that. But once I saw Kylie McDaniel throw him at like 14 or whatever it was, I was like, all right, uh, let's be, let's, let's not be afraid to, to be aggressive here and fire from the hip. And that's something, you know, I think we're going to start to see a little bit more of is not letting the other rankings 
get in the way of, of where we really do rank guys. And uh, I think there's a couple cases of that in, in this wave of 10, uh, which yep. we'll get to. And we'll point those out as we get there. Uh, the first two guys are, are guys that it's really easy to place up there. Um, there's not much. Uh, crazy insight that goes into it because these were the two of the top high school prospects in the last draft class. Uh, but Marcelo Mayer comes in at 30, Jordan Lawler at 29. Um, I, I think the best way to really discuss this tandem is as a tandem uh, yeah. and, and kind of discuss why we put Lawler ahead of, of Meyer. And uh, this was more of a, a push from me. So I'm curious what, what you think about, you know, my ultimate decision to, to rank, Lawler ahead of Meyer, given that we have to be honest with ourselves and the listener here, we've only seen so much of these two guys, right? I mean, and especially when we made this ranking, it was really almost at the beginning of the season. So we didn't even have the 13 games of each of these guys in the low A. It's really very limited looks. But from what I got there, ultimately, I felt safer with Lawler just one spot ahead. Yeah, so the consensus right now is that Meyer is ahead of Lawler in the other top 100s that I'm looking at right Mm -hmm. now. Just looking at Lawler at the moment, Baseball America has him at 29, Pipeline has him at 23, Prospectus at 48, which is bizarre, but Meyer, uh, Baseball America's got him at 15, Pipeline's got him at 14, and Prospectus has him at 17. So we are the only movers to this point that have Lawler ahead of Meyer um, and Meyer, he's six, three buck 90 Lawler's six, two, a buck 90. There is nothing really separating those two there in terms of overall physique. Um, I think what you saw was this more well-rounded game to Lawler than yep. Meyer and Meyer could be a better hitter. He could yep. be a better field, a hit guy. Yep. Um, but Lawler could just be a better overall player. And, right. and I think you play some serious value in, in my opinion, the objectively better defender here. Um, and I think I'm with you. I'd prefer this all around shortstop when it comes to splitting hairs over the guy that, you know, might hit 20 points higher, but, you know, won't provide as good a defense and won't be as multifaceted. Yeah. And I love Myers game. Like he's well-rounded, but you hit the nail on the head, Jack. Like what, what I really like about Lawler and it's funny. He, he reminds me a little bit of a guy that we're going to talk about very shortly, uh, which is Jeremy Pena. Which and the reason why I was so high on Pena going into this year at the big league level was that he doesn't need to be a high end hit tool guy to impact the game. And we're seeing that. I mean, Pena's hit extremely well, but he's been up and down with offensive consistency. If you look at the batting average, but he's giving you power. He's playing great defense. He's a good runner. And, and he's just a dynamic player. I look at Lawler. Yes, there could be some swing and miss in the early going, but he already has six home runs in 23 games. And again, we made these rankings before this, but this is what we saw could happen. 15 stolen bases in low A as well. I just see a guy that's going to impact the game more. And I don't think the swing and miss is going to be that much of an issue for Lawler. Like I look at his swing. I like the moves. It's pretty quiet. He's a great athlete. Obviously Meyer is, is pretty as safe as it gets when it comes to the swing from the left side, the bat to ball is really impressive, but he's striking out 27% of the time in the early going as well. So, I mean, there's no such thing as a can't miss high school bat. And I'll take the guy that's the freak athlete with plus defensive ability at shortstop where Myers more of an average defensive shortstop. Probably he has time to get be a little bit better. He's not a great runner. Um, There's power projection, but it's not there yet. I'm honestly pretty floored Jack. And I think it's going to change soon. 
but I am pretty floored that we're seeing Meyer, uh, just the consensus guy ahead of Jordan Lawler. And as dumb as it sounds, I've seen so much, so much weight placed on seven months of age when it comes to draft age. And I really think that that might be one of the big differentiators. It's like they're five months apart in age. And I swear that's something that legitimately is placed on value when it comes to the prospect rankings, because the track record shows that sometimes that can matter. I think it's pretty stupid. I I agree. I think that shit is very stupid. Um, But I am also the type of guy that pounds the pavement for the sophomore in college being drafted ahead of the project freshman in college, even though you have, you know, a year there in the NBA world. Um, Yeah. I mean, just looking at like the grades that you have on these guys right now, you've got, um, you know, a five point jump in terms of present hit tool at the moment for Meyer. You've got him as a 40 hit with a 55 future Lawler's at 35, 55. Raw power is the same, 45-60 for both of them. Game power, the same, 40-55 for both of them. Run, Lawler is a better runner. You got a 50-50 for Meyer. You have a 65-65 for Lawler. And then in the field, that's where you see start. That's where you see some of the discrepancy there. 40-55 for Meyer, 45-65 for Lawler. So you see a way higher ceiling defensively. You see one of the better defensive shortstops in all of baseball. Yep. And you see one of the better runners at the shortstop position in all of baseball, where Meyer might just be a better hitter right now. Yep, 100%. And also, I'm more confident in Lawler getting into the power. I think the early results are pretty clear, six home runs versus one. But besides that, I'm more confident in Lawler just tapping into game power, period, because he's just way more explosive. The exit velos are more impressive. Meyer's a guy that's it's feel to hit. I think he's going to fill out a lot more. And I, that's part of the reason why I have that long-term power project projection because he's 6'3, 188, 190. Uh, yeah. But I, I really do think it's going to be easier for Lawler to tap into the power. I just laugh because I, I see an 80 raw power for the next guy, but just, just wrapping up the Meyer Lawler conversation. Um, whose situation do you like better? Because Bogarts is going to be gone. I, I think we've learned that yeah. over the last week or so that Xander Bogarts will not be a Boston Red Sox, likely through the end of this year. I mean, he has turned himself into a great trade ship, and the Red Sox falters have uh, given Heim Bloom the liberty to go trade a guy that um, said he doesn't want to be there because Heim tried jipping him, which is bizarre <laughs> to me. Um, so Trevor Story is going to be your second baseman. Meyer's going to be your shortstop whenever he's ready because Bogarts won't be there. Um, Lawler, you know, Geraldo Perdomo is not going to block Jordan Lawler. No. And Lawler's got some time. Both these guys have some time. What do you have as their ETA at the moment? 2024 for both of them? Yeah. Yeah. So like 2024, I like what Arizona is going to be in 2024. I think I like what Boston's going to be. I'm not sure if I like it as much as I like Arizona, <laughs> which is so no. weird to say. Arizona is going to be really fun. And 2024 is aggressive, but I just think both these guys are going to climb quickly for their own reasons. Myers feel to hit. Uh, Lawler's defensive ability. Uh, I, I like what's brewing in Arizona. I can't speak too much to what's brewing in, uh, in Boston because you have a lot of guys that are aging, you know, and then you, you have probably uh, a Bogarts that's going to be gone. JD Martinez, what's he going to do? Like, it's going to be interesting to see how they approach it. But when I look at the Diamondbacks and that exciting young team with Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas, who we're going to get to, Lawler up there, Perdomo could play second. Uh, this is a really fun team with interesting pieces that are already up and young at the big league level as well. I I, I like what the D backs have brewing over there, man. I'm pretty excited about what they've got. 
100%. You got 36-year-old Merrill Kelly leading the storm. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, Merrill Kelly's ready to go. He, he, but honestly, Dre Jameson, another guy that looks has looks really good in there. Yeah, chirp, chirp. Ball chirp, State along Dre Jameson. Another, another Ball State guy. Uh, but a guy that skipped college that comes in at 28, right? 28 on our top 100 yep. list here is Jordan Walker, who – this is this is one of the I know you individually texted me after after you were editing through some of these write ups and you 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 just said you were like audibly laughing from the the Jordan Walker write up because of just how absurd it is, um, how much we like him, but just how crazy it is that he is the hitter that he has become this early in his professional career. I mean, this was a high school guy, uh, one of the younger guys in his class that was committed to Duke very deemed very difficult to sign because both his parents went Ivy league, very much valued education. Jordan Walker's a smart kid that I think was very keen on going to Duke. I mean, it's a great school, great baseball school, kind of a no brainer. Right. Uh, but, but several million dollars can make all of us change our plans and uh, good for Jordan Walker to get that money, but also good on Jordan Walker to hit the ground freaking running and good on the Cardinals for identifying a guy that was undervalued in the draft. A lot of people looked at this six foot five, big corner infield high school guy and said, oh, he's going to swing and miss a lot. You know, and naturally that was kind of what everybody thought. But then we realize, hey, he doesn't really have that much swing and miss in his game. And he comes out in low A and makes a mockery a mockery of low A pitching gets called up to high A and more than holds his own was more than solid there. Um, And now he comes back out in 2022 and he's in double. The Cardinals are doing their, (laughs) they're back on their bullshit. And you know what? He's doing well. Uh, The power output is down. uh, And I don't really care because this is Jordan Walker surviving in double A right now. I think it's putting more pressure on him just being back to ball oriented and dude, this 20-year-old is doing phenomenal. Not 20 yet. He's 19 and 11 months, actually, let me yep. say. In double yep. A, is hitting 303, 431, 416. Slugging's a bit light. 22% K rate, 15% walk rate. And he swiped 10 bags. I yep. don't care about the one home run because, as you mentioned earlier, I have an 80 raw power on, <laughs> yeah. on Jordan Walker. He's going to tap into the power. I'm not worried about that. But, dude, the Cardinals are aggressive with guys. But I guess Jordan Walker, you can do it with. Let's talk about the organization that he's in for a moment, because in recent memory, the gold standard in terms of player development is the Dodgers, the Rays and the Guardians. Right. Those are the three that we look at. Guardians pitcher specific. But when you look at overall track record of developing players, Dodgers and Tampa are the gold standard. Before that, it was St. Louis. And it still kind of is St. Louis. I mean, think about all the homegrown talent over the last two decades that the St. Louis Cardinals have pumped out. They have done something right for a very, very, very long time. They did something right in the 2020 draft, and they've got it right right now. Aggressive assignment, okay. 19-year-old hitting 300 in double A, A-okay. Um, <laughs> this guy, I, he is he's insane. And I remember when we were going through the Cardinals' top 10 prospects on this show, And you asked me what I watched from Jordan Walker to make me fall in love. And I said, I watched him take pitches. Like I I watched him not swing. And I was like, wow, this guy is all the way locked in at the plate. 
he can be that 55 grade future hitter that you have on him right now. He's a 40 at the moment as a 19 year old in double a, we got to update that too. Like I, I think he might be a 45 now. <laughs> so, okay. He's a 45, 55 hitter. He's got 80 raw power. He does have 80 raw power. Mm-hmm. And this was a guy that, you know, I would constantly see, constantly see highlights of. He was in the high A Midwest, which is now the, the Midwest League or high A Central last year. Now the Midwest League again. Um, he was with Peoria last year when I was in the same league. And Walker was a guy that you keep tabs on. And Walker was the guy that you hop on Twitter and you see the Chiefs, you know, tweet out, Walker hits one of the stratosphere. And it's like, ah, I, I got to go hunt this video when I saw the video, I was just like, oh, yeah, there we go. He actually hit one of the stratosphere. That's what he does all the time. Yep. And I think you have two 80-grade raw powers in this top 100 list, right? Yep. You've got him and O'Neill Cruz. And that's it. And that's it. So Jordan Walker, if everything goes right, and we're not, we're not pumping his tires, we're not shitting you, if everything goes right, he's a 50-home run guy. <laughs> yeah. He could he could legitimately have multiple 50 home run seasons. Uh, it, there's no reason to believe that he can't be like Pete Alonso, but yeah. more athletic. <laughs> and and and, that's, and he that's, can play third. And and here's the thing we talked about on the Just Baseball show about like who the next top prospect could be. Jordan Walker could be one of the top prospects in baseball in this midseason update. I mean, to, to be 19 years old and doing what he's doing in Double A. Uh, if we see the power start to to come into the game here and start to be a factor, I, I mean, this guy does it all. What I've been really impressed with at third base is so this he was a two way guy in high school, uh, so so he has a massive arm. He was up to nineties, mid nineties on the mound. Yeah, he has more than a plus arm at third, but he he has ten stolen bases. Right, he's he's a good runner. He's very agile for his size. He moves well. He can make throws from different arm slots, which is really impressive. He makes all the all the plays you need to make for a third baseman. He's sticking at the position. He's going to be at least average there, probably better than that. And now we have bat to ball that nobody expected. We have the power, as we were mentioning. You talk about the takes. He's walking 15% of the time in double A as, as a guy that's not even 20 years old yet. There, there's It's getting harder and harder to poke a hole in, in Jordan Walker's game. And uh, with the upside that he has, this is a guy that could be a top five or so prospect in baseball very, very soon. Very, very soon. Um, that's going to be a very funny group of four to, to try and dissect with Francisco Alvarez, Grayson Rodriguez, Corbin Carroll, and Jordan Walker. Um, you know, there, there are a couple other guys and, and a couple that we'll get to this episode that could be in that conversation for top 10, top five at the midseason update. Um, Walker, you know, totally different hitting profile, but think defensively and think build to Chris Bryant. That's what Chris Bryant is. 6'5", 220. He's a big guy that moves well. So, you know, think, you know, this guy is not going to be immobile because when you think Chris (laughs) Bryant, you see big guy, but certainly not immobile. And Jordan Walker won't play center field like Chris Bryant does. But when KB's out in center, he's not that good. He just takes up space and he's fine there. Um, I think Walker is the type of guy that can play a good third base and could probably play a pretty good left field. If, if they want, but he could also hop over to the other corner and play first base. Oh, no problem. I think there's going to be some defensive versatility here. I think stolen bases will still be there. Not like 10 through the first 30 games, but I think 10 for a season might be there. And that's massive from a guy that is giving you 40 homer potential. 
you know, it, it's unbelievable. It's a testament to the athleticism and you see the athleticism in the box, which is what really stands out to me. I mean, this guy, his lower half is so consistent. He gets into his backside really well. He's a guy that likes to start upright and does that like Yelich sink back and he does it really well. And it makes things really simple for him. I'm a huge fan of, of the way he approaches things and look out for Jordan Walker. He's going to be a force, but a guy that finally got the call up to the big leagues. And I know we're both very excited about coming in at 27 is Alec Thomas. And he had a vintage, just like typical Alec Thomas swing in his, for his first big league hit, which I love, which was caught a ball basically out of the catcher's glove and shot it the other way. And that's just what Alec Thomas does outfield prospect, Arizona diamondbacks. What is he still 22 years old? 5'11", 210 pounds, second round pick in 2018. Uh, he has done nothing but hit. You know, we just talked about him on the Just Baseball show. His 2021 season was phenomenal uh, between double and triple A. Hit 313, 394, 559, 18 homers, 49 extra base hits, a 146 WRC plus 20% K rate, and a 10.5% walk rate. I mean, the, the kind of TLDR that I, I wrote on him for, for the prospect write-up is he just has as well-rounded of a game as you're going to find and above average tools across the board with phenomenal instincts. Like that is the safest prospect you'll ever find, but don't mistake that for like no upside. He, he could legitimately be an all-star if he hits enough. Think about a 60 hitter with 55 raw power, 60 runner, 55 in the field. Like he is an all around good baseball player. I'll sign up for an all-around good baseball player 10 days at a 10. Think about Brian Reynolds, that guy all-around really good baseball player. Thomas has, you know, some louder speed and maybe some better defense there, but I think the hitting profile is very similar to Brian yeah. Reynolds if everything works out. 100%. I actually really like that comp because you're looking at 18 to 20, maybe on a good year gets to 25 homers, but so many doubles, some triples, uh, just dynamic ability and and consistency, you know, bat to ball consistency. And that's what stands out with Thomas. He's such a phenomenal athlete. He repeats all of his crazy moves so well. Uh, he He's really fun to watch hit because he you can tell he knows himself as a hitter so well, where, uh, where he takes one bad swing, he recalibrates, comes back in, and he's not making that mistake again. You're, you're not going to fool out Thomas twice. Uh, and, and that's what makes him so good. So it makes him, almost impervious to slumps or as impervious as a baseball player can be to slumps uh, because he just works through things and makes tweaks and makes tweaks in at bats. And that's where the instincts really kick in. Let's play a quick game because we talk about 2021, the two breakout outfielders at the big league level, two of the best outfielders in baseball in 2021, Brian Reynolds and Cedric Mullins. Yeah. Floor Brian Reynolds all day, every day ceiling. Probably Cedric Mullins, right? Mullins was more exciting than Reynolds last year, but the level of concern, I mean, you said it right away this year. You you would not be shocked if Cedric Mullins was just a one-year wonder. Versus Reynolds, you know he's going to do something like that continuously. So yeah. there are guys that have higher ceilings here, but I will take the already high ceiling of Alec Thomas paired with a floor that is not far off the ceiling at all. Um, I'm going to take that because... My heart rate is going to stay low. I'm going to be calm. I'm going to be collected. And I know that I'm getting a guy that is a fringe all-star for a decade. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that, that's what I love about Thomas is, 
you have the high floor, you still have the exciting ceiling and potential there. That's going to be driven by the hit tool and uh, the complementary tools, but you need to have a, an Alec Thomas in your system. <clears throat> if you're, if you're a minor league t- or if you, if you're a big league team, I think every team can use that high floor Alec Thomas to balance things out, especially when you have the Corbin Carroll's of the world and Jordan Lawler's and all these guys that could be really dynamic. Uh, I love balancing out your system with an Alec Thomas and uh, the proximity is really what keeps him in the top 30. And then the still a little bit of upside that you can dream on gets him up there even more. Uh, but a guy that gets the edge just above him. And I think you could really, you could toss it up with either of these guys here. And it's been a, it's been a rough debut at the big league level a little bit, but he's shown flashes. Josh Lowe outfielder with the Tampa Bay Rays. He got the nod just above Alec Thomas because of what he did in AAA last year, how exciting his tools are, his power projection. Um, he's been back and forth between AAA and the big leagues. But man, when when this guy is right, it's pretty crazy what he's able to do at the plate. And, and he's starting to come alive at the big league level a little bit when he when he finally got a second stint up there. There's some swing and miss, but he's been able to keep that in check. And I mean, you look at the numbers, man. He was 2020 last year in AAA. Yeah. I think he could be a, a 2020 guy at the big league level almost annually. Uh, great defender and center and can play all three spots quite well. Josh Lowe is, is a really, really interesting player that has as much upside as any outfield prospect. And best case scenario, he can be 30-30. Yep. Alec Thomas can't be 30-30. Alec yeah. Thomas is really good. He's got a higher floor than Josh Lowe, but he can't be 30-30. Josh yeah. Lowe can be 30-30. Um, and, I mean, you mentioned the 22 homers, 26 stolen bases. This guy walked 13% of the time. Yep. He had a 291 batting average with a 381 OBP. So this is a type of guy that's getting on base all the time for Durham, who, by the way, you know, we, we talk about Eugene, the high A affiliate of uh, San Francisco all the time. Um, you got a text from friend of the program, Michael Schwimmer with big league advance. He said it, the Durham bulls could beat several major league teams last year because that <laughs> yes. team was that loaded. And Josh Lowe was a big reason why that team was that loaded. So I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't slam the panic button a la Kelnick um, and his debut last year with Josh Lowe this year. Um, I think Josh Lowe is going to be just fine. I think there's going to be uh, an acclimation process to the big league level. But I think once he does that, this guy can be a star. Yeah, absolutely. And and he he's somebody that's kind of had to get acclimated to each level. He's struck out in the low 20 percent, so almost at every single stop, but offsets that with double digit walk rates. Uh, power and the speed, the defense kind of puts him over too. when, when, you know, I, I think that was a question for him. I think he's really good in either corner can play center field as well as if you need him. Uh, but the speed and, and power combination is pretty rare. And at six, four, two Oh five just continues to tap into that power even more. Uh, I am interested to see, you know, how, how the defense continues to develop at the big league level, if they're throwing in center a bit more, but I trust him big time in a corner. Uh, and, and what I really like is, is the swing adjustments that he has made. Uh, again, there's going to be more swing and miss than Kyle Tucker and stuff like that. But I do see some similarities with the stroke to Kyle Tucker uh, and similarities with this, with the skill set in terms of the power that continues to tick up and, you know, speed that impacts the game. He's a bit faster and there's a bit more swing and miss. Uh, but I, I'm a big fan of what we've seen from well. And I think the more ABs he consistently gets out there, uh, hopefully he gets a more consistent chance at the big league level. I think he's going to give them a lot. Um, and and I'm really interested to see how he continues to develop in the bat to ball department. What do you see in the swing mechanics that is similar to Kyle Tucker? 
it's, it's this simple, like I'm trying to describe it, but it's an upright stance that gets into the backside and just easy left-handed stroke that I really like that. I, I just, I, there's an unconventional type of swing that they have that I really like. If you look it's at the way Tucker it, almost sweeps through it, it's yeah, almost so like he what sweeps through the what zone. What Tucker looks like is Tucker looks like he is literally just throwing his hands at the yeah. baseball and the bat head follows. And it just sweeps through the zone and the bat lives through the zone. And I see the low didn't used to be that way. He used to cut himself off big time. And he used to have that drift as Robert Hassel was talking about that cut himself off. And now yeah. Lowe is a guy that really is able to stay back better and keep that bat through the zone. And no one does it as well as Tucker. His swing is really unconventional, and that's why he makes so much contact. But there's some similarities there that, that I do really like with Lowe. Got you. So let's get to 25. Brett Beatty, a guy who continues to prove that he can hit. Um, I mean, he, he's really hit at every stop. The power has not quite come into the, his game the way that I think a lot of people have hoped a lot of ground balls. Uh, he's cut the ground ball rate down this year, which is interesting because we haven't seen the power really become a part of his game uh, with the ground ball rate dropping, which was kind of the hope, but he still continues to put up pretty good numbers. And so far through double a this year, 264, 350, 385 slash line. Um, he's big projectable six, three, two, ten. Uh, the Mets are really excited about what he can do. Uh, 22 years old, already in his second stint in double A. I love the bat, but at a certain point soon, we got to start seeing the power trick, you know, trickle in here. He had 12 home runs between low A and high A in 91 games last year, one home run through 25 games this year. And the K rate has jumped a bit to 29%. He's got to he's got to start tapping into this plus raw power. I mean, this is raw power plus plus, depending on who you ask. It's just not there yet. Yeah. Um, no, I I was gonna say, you know, we we got to see the K rate cut because you mentioned it twenty nine percent guys thirty punch outs in twenty five games. Um, and I'm looking at what he did in the Arizona Fall League last year. Those twenty five games at this point. Same sample size, pretty much exactly. 103 plate appearances with Binghamton, 102 in the Arizona Fall League. He struck out 31 times in 102 plate appearances in the Fall League. He struck out 30 times in 103 plate appearances in the spring so far. I need to see less swing and miss from Brett Beatty because, to be totally honest, I don't think the power compensates for that much swing and miss. I think that the hit tool when he puts the ball in play does, but that K rate needs to jump to the mid-20s. That or he needs to start launching homers, <laughs> you know, yeah, and I think and it's, and he's not doing either at the moment. No. And so he's in this weird tweener range. And that's the thing is I'm really encouraged by him cutting down on the, the ground ball rate by about 13% or 14%, yeah. but now nothing's leaving the yard and he's pulling the ball more. And uh, there's a little bit of concern for me with, with Beatty and, and the, and just what he's trying to be at this point. Right. Because it's like, how are you going to tap into this power? And right now I see a guy that's continuously trying to tap into the power and just isn't quite doing it yet. And it's crazy because the exit velos are up there. He's put up 114s, 115s, which is nuts. I mean, it's elite exit velos, which is part of the reason why I think people just keep piling on and saying, okay, well, well when is he going to tap into it? The Arizona Fall League got me really excited. You mentioned the numbers. The year last year overall was really good for a guy that was, you know, 20, 21 years old between double A and, and high A. 
And he has every reason to be a top 30 prospect. But I mean, if we get to the midseason update and it's kind of this slash line with yeah, guys are going to jump him, you guys are going to jump him. Um, and so I would say cautiously optimistic with Beatty. He's still 22. I'm not concerned yet. But as we get to the top 25 prospects here, we got to be pretty particular. And he's probably one of the guys that I'm looking at. If if there's not an adjustment in the next couple months, he's going to be one of the guys that gets lapped. Baseball and football are the two. What have you done for me lately? Sports. You know, you can't hang on your laurels in baseball, particularly minor league baseball. You've got a great 2019 Guess what? You're going back to the complex and you're throwing five innings there if you can't figure it out in AAA. Yeah. Right. That's, you know, and that's an ode to Mackenzie Gore there. But that is that guy was on top of the world. He was the best pitching prospect in baseball. And then all of a sudden he checks in at like 95 before this year because it is a what have you done for me lately sport? It is a production business. And right now, there are guys that are below Beatty, or I guess, you know, higher up on the top 100 than Beatty that are just putting together way better seasons. So I mean, look at Jordan Walker. How is Jordan Walker not going to lap him? You know, exactly. And a a guy that just lapped him, Robert Hassel, like he's already passed him. And and there's a bunch of other guys that are putting up similar types of years. It's crazy to to say that about Beatty because he's still just 22. I love the projectability. And and there's a scenario here where Beatty explodes and, and we're like, okay, there it is. Right. But we need to see that it. Um, and, and I was closer to 60 on the raw power for Beatty. And it's tough because the exit velos are 70 grade, but at this point, the sample size is getting pretty big and we're not seeing enough just game power. Um, so it it is, it is kind of getting to the point now where it's like, okay, when are we going to start to see him tap into it? Hopefully it's soon. If not, you know, the expectations may have to shift a little bit because hitting the ball hard is great, but if you do it on the ground too much, uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it doesn't really matter. So a guy that can get away with hitting it on the ground a little bit, and a guy that we just had on the podcast, Robert Hassel, the third uh, San Diego Padres have a gem here as CJ Abrams graduates. This is far and away the, the top prospect uh, in, in the Padres system. Although James Wood might have a little bit to say about it uh, in the coming months uh, in terms of just closing the gap and being that top 100 guy for them as well. But I mean, Robert Hassel, we, we talked about on the episode, and if you don't believe in him now, even more so with just the way that he approaches the game mentally and the way he knows himself as a hitter, I mean, he is as well-rounded as it gets. I probably have to adjust the hit tool to more of a 50-knit present and a 60-future. Uh, he has it all, I, and it's very similar to Alec Thomas, I think, in regards to tools across the board, great field to hit, but I would say more power projection for Robert Hassel which puts him a little bit higher up here. Yeah, th- there's no such thing as park factor in the Midwest League. You're playing in the Midwest. There, there is no thin air. You know, it's nothing like that. It gets humid. He's played in super cold weather. I've seen him with the with the neck gaiter on and like the ski mask to, to retain any heat possible through the first month of the season. This guy's played 27 games in high A so far this year as a 20-year-old. He's got five bombs and 22 driven in. He's nine for nine in stolen bases, and he's slashing 352, 410, 533. He's borderline best hitter in minor league baseball at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, except for Moises Gomez. Yeah, except for Moises Gomez, yeah. (laughs) 
but no, he, he is undoubtedly been one of the most impressive bats in the, in the minor leagues. I mean, because it's, it's pitch, it's picturesque when you look at the, the stat line, right? Like he, this is a dude that like, this is a dream of what you would want to be as a ball player. And if you meant, if you think look back on the episode, there was a point where when we were talking, he was like, you know, guys are guys in the big leagues are doing a little bit of everything. I want to do a little bit of everything. He's doing a little bit of everything. He's doing a lot of bit of everything. A lot of everything, right? He's striking out 18.8% of the time. He's walking nearly 9% of the time. Uh, he, he the, the five home runs, the nine stolen bases, uh, the, the bat to ball is, is really impressive at 352. He's playing good defense. He's doing everything. And this is a guy as well that we're looking at by midseason. He could have, have a case to be a top. 10 prospect as well. Easily, I really think easily, especially with what we know about the way he approaches the game too. Um, and, and his psyche and he's a smart player. He's a heady guy that really knows his game and knows who he wants to be. And there's a lot of value to that. Uh, I'm, I'm all in on, on Robert Hassel. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that I took away from our conversation with him is, is this guy stores all the information like the, his recall on that particular at bat that you brought up, that was a double to center in Lansing. Like that's the type of thing that not many hitters can do. I mean, the recall there and his ability to go back and say, I was beaten for a split second, but I came back and beat them a split second yeah. later. I, it was incredible to me. That's a guy that, that gets it. Especially in the minor leagues where, and, and in the major leagues, but where, where you're playing a lot of the same teams many, many times. Six um, times in a row, you're going to know how they attack you and whatever. And if you have that recall and that memory, I mean, that is something that really separates hitters. You talk to some really good hitters, they'll be able to tell you what happened and what they be. That's what stands out to me the most with Jeff Conine is when we record outside the box with Jeff Conine, I can I can ask him questions about at bats from 25 years ago and he can tell you, you know, what the pitch was, what it was doing. And I think that's a big differentiator for for some very consistent and long tenured hitters are guys that can really recall and apply the, the past to, to the present. And, and that's something that you can't really teach that goes in the unteachable category. Hassel is going to stick in center. I think the speed is one of the more underrated aspects of his game. I, I really think this guy is as well-rounded. You, you talk about Alec Thomas. I think he's right there with maybe more upside. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Robert Hassel as one of my favorite prospects in baseball moving forward. But that Aram Layton putting a stamp of approval on a prospect at 24. Shout out that. Let's do it. I, I'm very excited about him. And then and another guy that finally got his big league debut. We've talked about on here a little bit. And um, MJ Melendez is one of my favorite just all around. I, I don't know how to describe it. His swing is so unique that I love watching him swing yeah. all the time. I love his approach. He's just one of my favorite hitters to watch. 41 home runs in the minor leagues will do that for you. But a, a guy that really sticks to the approach, another really smart ball player, his father, Mervil Melendez, is a college coach, you know, head coach at Florida International University. MJ's a catcher who does a great job behind the dish. Uh, but offensively is, is really what's gotten him up to the big league level. And so far, the big league level through his first 10 plate appearances, he's been really solid. Already he's picked up three hits, a double the other way. He looks really comfortable. What he did last year was a joke. Uh, MJ is somebody that yeah, I think is the future of the catching position for the Royals, but in the present, his bat's extremely valuable. 
it's pretty impressive what this guy was able to do to turn around his, his early going in his career after what was, you know, not the best 2019, I would say hit 163 in high a with a 40% K rate bounces back in 2021 with a 21% K rate hitting 41 home runs and walking 15% of the time. Uh, I'm totally sold on what we saw from MJ Melendez last year. And I think it's going to continue at the big league level. Yeah. And when you hear 41 homers, when you think the minor league home run crown, you may think he's launching pull side and you say, Oh, how far is this going to go? He feels a lot like Chris Davis when Chris Davis, Chris with a C when he was at his best. And I'm not talking mammoth strikeout rates or anything. I'm talking where the power goes because Chris Davis, like we saw him in the home run derby when he was in Baltimore and put together those MVP caliber seasons. I mean, he was hitting home run derby homers to left. Yeah. Inside out, inside out swinging it to, to left field. Yes. Like that's what MJ Melendez can do. He's got pole to pole power. He can go dead center 440. He can go to right and launch it 400 feet, or he can sneak one just to the right of the left field foul pole. That's what Melendez can do. And what's amazing with him to, to, to that point is he's one of those guys that just gets carried. You're just looking at the ball and you're like, that thing's still going. It's going, going, going. Oh man, it's gone. Uh, like that's, that's what he does. It's easy backspin. And that's where he gets that foul line to foul line power. He hits some balls that, you know, it's that inside out swing that you're talking about. And I'm like, there's no way that thing gets out to, to left field. And he's a left-handed bat. And it does. It, it's, it's absolutely incredible. I think that's a testament to the 29% home run to fly ball rate we saw from him last year. Like that's a sustainable figure from him. I mean, maybe it'll drop a little bit at the big league level, but like, this is a dude that I think a large, large portion of his fly balls are going to leave the yard. And that's, you know, what you see from a lot of impact home run hitters. It's just a natural feel for carry. It's with, with MJ, he could be on his front foot. And there was like the swing we're talking about with Hassel and he can almost one hand swing it. And it's going to carry out of the yard because of the way that he backspins baseballs and, and he stays behind it. And, and I'm, I really like his swing and that's why it's, it's really not a, a high swing and miss risk for MJ. And again, he walks a ton. That's more than evident. And he's a good catcher. He needs to make some, some slight improvements with the blocking and things like that. But I know pitchers love pitching to him. He's a good receiver. He's got a plus plus arm back there. I mean, you got to be excited. This is somebody that realistically could end up being one of the best catchers in the game. If it, if it all is put together. And the only reason he's not ranked higher is just that we only had one big year from him. And I think to go from unranked to 24, 24, is that where we're at now? 23, 23. unranked to 23 is pretty freaking insane. Um, but I know when we're talking about like, wait, this guy can be the best catcher in baseball. Why is he ranked 23? It's because it's hard to push him any higher than that after one year. But we really like what we saw in that one year. hundred percent. We'll, we'll see what the Pelota has to say about, uh, about the home run to fly ball rate, because obviously that that's been a big problem and that's been one of those hot button topics, but as the weather starts to warm up in all 30 parks and the ball starts to fly a little bit in that air, we'll, we'll see what that ball looks like. Um, but I'm not concerned about Melendez at all. Another thing real quick, the guy can kind of run too. He's yeah. just a good athlete. Yeah. No, he's a really good athlete. And um, you can see that just in, in every aspect of his game. Also kind of a gym rat. Again, like the, 2020 was a big, big opportunity for him to just kind of go back to the lab and, and fix things. And 
made yeah. major swing adjustments. Yeah, tweet out the purple devil emojis at 5 a.m. in the yeah. lab cooking. Up yeah. first, yeah, he's awake while you sleep. Like, but he right. is that kind of guy and yeah. uh, made the, the swing adjustment as well. It was a big leg kick guy before as toned that down, simplified things, and then also really simplified his approach. And, and that was a big thing. Him getting into, I don't want to give away too many nuggets because uh, I don't want to give away how to get MJ Melendez out, but he was detailing kind of just how he adjusted his approach and trusted it and committed to it. And he was saying, you know, in 2021 or 2020 or 2019, geez, in 2019, he had this malleability to his approach that really was, was leaving him out to dry, right? Like the approach didn't work in one game. So I'm going to adjust it now. And now he's getting caught in between. And now he's trying to re-identify who he is and what he's trying to do almost game to game. Now he's found this approach. He sticks with it. And he's like, if the pitcher executes three pitches that, you know, compromise my approach, that's okay. I'll dare him to do it again next AB. And I think that was something that really stood out for him and allowed him to not miss mistakes. Um, Going into 22, this is somebody that we've been singing the praises on for a long time. We had him at 22. I know the top 100 officially went out after the season started. We had him this high before the season started. Uh, and this is a guy we've been talking about on here for a while, Jeremy Pena, shortstop, Houston Astros. Um, I mean, look at the big league results thus far. Uh, I think it's pretty clear what, what we saw in him. And it, Jeremy Pena was somebody that I kept trying to emphasize to, to Astros fans when I would get questions from Astros fans. They're like, how are, how are we going to deal without, you know, having Correa and whatever? I'm like, he's, this guy's not going to replace Correa, but I promise you, he will make things feel pretty decent. Like you're and not going to like him a lot. You're going to like him a lot. And people are like, Oh, well, he's barely played above high. A he only played 30 games in triple. I'm like, just, just trust me, trust me. Um, and some Astros fans did. And it's funny seeing uh, when he goes off, I get some Astros fans tweeting at me like, thank you for, for like calming us down or whatever, because I, it, it's, it's scary when you have a star shortstop leave, but, but honestly, this is a big reason, I think, why the Astros were, were okay with Carlos Correa leaving. I don't know if they ever were going to pay him, but I think you can make it a little bit more uh, – you can be a little bit more comfortable with letting him walk when you know that you have a guy that can walk right in there, has all the intangibles. I mean, we, we talk about what he does uh, in terms of how much the big leaguers love his attitude, but also a plus glove from day one, which is what really made me confident in him, plus power. Uh, which we've already seen with six home runs in 27 games and just a good athlete. He's a really impressive player already accumulated a 1.4 F4 at the big league level. And the bat's only going to get better and better as he gets more comfortable. Yeah. What, what's he at right now? Like 225, 242, 305, wow. recently. Yeah. It's jumped again. Like every time you think, Oh no, he's going to start slumping. He, he breaks out of it because he doesn't strike out an egregious amount. I'd like to see him walk a little bit more. But if he's hitting you low two forties with, oh with the I'm power and the glove, you're it's great. It's just, Dude. it's the on base. I want to see him, you know, take up a little bit on the on base, walk a little bit more. Uh, but at the end of the day, like we're splitting hairs with a guy who is clearly adding power to his game. If you go back to his triple a stint before he messed up his wrist last year, his last 57 games, he says 16 home runs, Jack, between triple a and the big league level. Yeah. So, I mean, this is 30 home run potential here with plus defense at short, and then we'll see how the hit tool develops. But even if he's a 45 hit tool guy, even if he's a 250 hitter, doesn't really matter. If you promised me 
240 with a 300 OBP and the possibility of Jeremy Pena power and speed with the Jeremy Pena defense that we know exists, I'm signing up for 240 with the 300 OBP. I'm absolutely signing up for that because all the other tools are amazing. They are amazing, dude. Defense, this guy is as silky as they come already. And this is a guy that will contend for gold gloves in the American League at shortstop for the next decade. He is already one of the better defensive shortstops in the American League. I think everybody has seen that already. Guy's got a cannon. He gets to balls. He doesn't have the Correa cannon, but you know nobody has the Correa cannon. Yeah, you don't need that's that's just a luxury at that point. That's like that's like a race car going two ten instead of two hundred. Like okay, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so like I I think you know you can't measure him against Correa. You can measure him against all the other shortstops in the American League. And Correa is a shortstop in the American League. Okay, but. You know, I, I think Pena is within the top five. If you're going to handpick and say, I'm just looking at defensive alignment, who do you want as your shortstop? Pena is within the top five in the AL. And that was what really sold me is, you know, I, I was hearing a lot about about the defense. And so I took a day, Jack, where I just I did this with with CJ Abrams, too. And that's where I was really sold on the glove at shortstop after, you know, there were some questions there. I did it with Matt McClain as well. And I, it really sold me on the glove. But I sat down and I, I queued up every defensive put out from the season uh, from last year of Jeremy Pena. And I, it wasn't as many as you'd think because it was only 30 games. So I literally sat down there for like 30 minutes and watched them all. I was so floored. I, I mean, the way he'd made difficult plays look easy, impossible plays possible. It, it was incredible. Um, and that's what really sold me. Jack, who do you think leads the major leagues in defensive run saves at shortstop? I think I know the answer. Yeah. Jeremy Pena is edging out Andrew Velasquez, who's only in the big leagues because of his glove, uh, yes. which great story. I love Andrew Velasquez over with the Angels. Uh, seven defensive run saves for Jeremy Pena, five for Andrew Velasquez, five for Paul DeYoung, four for Nico Horner, four for Jorge Mateo, three for Isaiah Kanafalefa, and then everybody else at two. I mean, it, this is this is just a different notch here. So you say great story for Velasquez. I think great story for Pena. And I want to dive into this farther. I'm sure somebody has written something up about that. And I think I mentioned this on the Just Baseball show, like born in the DR, went to high school in Providence, Rhode Island, went to the University of Maine. The, the shortstop for the Houston Astros and the possible American League. Went to the University of Maine. Third was round a pick. Maine black bear. Like yep. that, that's bizarre. And so I, I want to figure out more about Pena. I, yeah. So and, and like a little bit more on the backstory there is like he was drafted because the glove was so insane. They were just like, okay, in the third round, we can get ourselves a guaranteed Nick Ahmed almost. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. That's really what they thought they were getting is, is like a guaranteed Nick Ahmed with more physical projection. There's, I will not buy for a minute that the Astros thought that Jeremy Pena could mature into the hitter that he is. He's thrown on 20 plus pounds of muscle without losing any speed. He went from, you know, that, that more wiry strength to just this ripped. He's jacked. He's huge. I mean, yeah. he's, he is a really, really athletic, strong, big dude, and it didn't compromise his mobility and his agility. He's going to be a problem for a long time. Um, and I'm really excited to see Jeremy Pena continue to improve at the big league level. And that was a guy that we collected a lot of his cards before the season. I would say his cards are probably a little bit too expensive now, Jack, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, early in the season, if you were listening to, uh, listening to us, definitely a card that was worth uh, picking up. Uh, but we'll have some more names for you soon. Final name in today's episode 
And a guy that I also think is a little bit of a risk to get leaped by some other people on this list, uh, but is off to a pretty good start in high A this year. 20 years old, Noel V. Marte, shortstop prospect in the loaded, loaded Seattle Mariners system. Marte has some of the best raw power um, and just power period at the infield position in the minor leagues, especially at the shortstop position. Uh, international prize free agent, 20 years old, 6'1, 180 pounds so far this year, 255, 364, 436 slash line, 13% walk rate, 21% or 22% K rate, which I, I, I really like. That's really encouraging from him. Yeah. Four homers so far this season. My only concern with Noel V. Marte is how much lies in the hands of the power pr- production from him, because I don't think you're going to get that much defensively. Um, and, you know, we have to see the hit tool develop. But I really do like uh, what we're seeing from him in the early going. And I, I continue to get excited about um, his improved feel to hit. Yeah, I dig him. He's got an 800 OPS so far, 24 games. He's hit four homers. Um, so, I mean, this is a guy that's slugging 436. So um, he's got 24 knocks, just nine are for extra bases, five doubles, four homers. So he, he's slapping singles around. Noel V. Marte's value does not lie in slapping singles around and hitting 320 because he can't hit 320. No. Um, he can hit 260 to 270 with 25 homers. That's what you want to dream on with him. Uh, and he plays a fine shortstop. What do you think about his defensive prowess? I'm a little, I'm a little nervous on on the defense at short, to be honest. Like I I think there's a chance he could move to to third. So that uh, tells you that the power needs to tick up even more. And I mean, and the exit velos are really impressive on Noel V. Marte. I mean, he's somebody that's got some some freakish power potential um, and, and he's explosive in the box. That's one of those guys that's rotational. He explodes on the baseball. And that's what the, the big calling card is. I think that's what people really like about Marte. And a big reason why we see him rank so high is the power potential. Uh, but at the same time, with some defensive questions, uh, with, you know, how much are those complementary tools going to play in? I could see Marte getting leapfrogged by some of these more well-rounded prospects, but the upside of Marte is, is 30 plus home runs at the shortstop position, which is, you know, very exciting, obviously. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, Marte, I I'm curious, you know, what you think about like the swing mechanics and how he gets more out of it. Um, like if he were to get more, if he were to transform as a hitter, what does that look like? I think it's more, I think the swing is built for enough like power already. What I think for him is just, just his feel to hit is really the the big difference here, right? Like picking the right spots to try to go pull side, uh, picking the right spots to really try to explode and lift the baseball is, is really where I think he taps into the power right now. He's a guy that's, that's pulling the trigger a lot. He's swinging at, at pitches that he can't do that much with. And I think that's a big reason why we're seeing the power being consistent. But when he pulls the trigger at the right pitch, everything looks really good. I mean, he's explosive. He's he's pretty simple at the plate. I, I like the swing. It's just when you're swinging at breaking balls, tailing away from you in two one counts, how are you going to be powerful? You know, how are you going to tap into big time power? So for me, it's more the hit tool side of things than the actual, you know, present power and present swing uh, that holds him back. Yeah. So I I feel like with Beatty and Marte, we're just talking about them. I don't want to say negatively, but we're talking about them in less, um, 
you know, lauding away as we are the Jordan Walkers and the Hassles. But yeah, because these guys have been on the top 100 for a while, right? Like these are guys that have been regarded as top prospects for a while. Beatty's a first round pick, early first round pick. Marte's a $1.5 million guy. Like they've been on this list for a while because of the upside. And there's a certain point now where it's like, okay, upside needs to turn into production. Um, And we're seeing flashes of it. I think Marte's start is encouraging. Uh, I think what he did last year was really solid, 17 homers. Uh, But I need to see a more calculated approach. And I need to see a guy that's picking his spots to unleash on baseballs and not just lunging at breaking balls away and rolling over. It's really what it is for me is the swing is built for power, but I need to see, you know, him, him put himself in better spots to tap into that power. Yeah. hundred percent. I like this crop, man, but we start with Kirby tomorrow. That's exciting. We start with Kirby tomorrow. Also Hunter green. So two triple digit fastballs. At three triple digit fastballs, actually, because we get to a Spino in there too. Yeah. So the next crop is going to be insane, also, as we get to the top 20 prospects in baseball. And also a shortstop that's been on the top prospect was for a long time in Marco Luciano, who is turning it into production now and consistency. So that's kind of the difference between the Martes and the Lucianos of the world. Uh, really fun list that we went through here with these 10. Really excited um, to get into the next 10 on the next episode. Uh, any other thoughts, Jack, as we close out 30 to 21? I just love that we talked about Alec Thomas, man. And and Great I watched timing. Hassel for I watched Hassel for two, three weeks last year. Um, I've been keeping tabs on him this year. I, I think Hassel and Alec Thomas are two of my faves. I, I'm very excited. I gotta, gotta say Jordan Walker's probably one oh, of my God, favorite I prospects in all yeah. of baseball, period. Hassel as well. Uh, so these are all guys I think this is that group where it's like could take it to the next level, could get to that next spot. Uh, this group could have several guys that are in the top 10 by the midseason update, and we're going to get to the top 20 in tomorrow's episode of The Call-Up. As always, thank you for listening. If you could take a minute to leave a review, that would be awesome. Helps us grow the show. would really appreciate it. Also, check out uh, the loop link in the description to hunt some of these players and their cards uh, on the loop app, 24-7 cards at your fingertips you can also buy some cards on eBay as well if you don't want to roll yep. the dice as much. Use that link in our description so they know that we sent you to Loop. As always, thank you for listening, and we'll talk prospects with you tomorrow. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.